listener, and welcome to another edition of the Coco and Daltz podcast. Welcome to our world of real people doing real reviews. Stuff on Amazon Prime and Netflix and Disney Plus and HBO Max and Jimmy's Video Store down the corner. You made that joke last time. and I know, but I'm I'm consistent. Okay. I'm keeping going with that because we're going to, re- eventually Jimmy's going to come up with a, vo- a video and we're going to do it. He's going to stream something. I hope it's not like the Tommy Lee, Pam Anderson video from the 90s because <laughs> I really don't want to see that. I'm not Coco. And I'm not Dalt. And this week we are talking on on this episode of the podcast, what are we talking about, Coco? And I'll help you with the title if you want me to. Okay, it's a brand new Netflix original documentary. It's 90 minutes long and it's called Crack, colon, Cocaine, Corruption, and Conspiracy. That's right. It's a documentary about the crack epidemic of the 80s. Oh, was I guessing? I didn't realize I was guessing. <laughs> You've won a new car. You want some crack. <laughs> It uh, it just dropped on Netflix on Monday. We are recording this on Wednesday. We did actually watch it on Monday, but mm-hmm. we just didn't get around to podcasting it till today. We were doing research. That's right, with our crack research team. Crack research team. Uh, no pun intended. I was hoping or you would do that. Pun intended, actually. So it is exactly about what the title implies. It's about the crack ep- epidemic of the 80s, how all this cocaine came flooding into America from Central America, how it led to the militarization of police forces across the country, how it led to the 1994 crime bill, which is much reviled and which Joe Biden got a lot of crap about Mm -hmm. during the recent uh, presidential campaign. Uh, It talked to quite a few former addicts, uh, talked about the influence uh, the drug had, well, the, you know, bad times like the drug caused them to have um yeah so dalts what did you think about crack i'm just going to shorten it and just call it crack i think that's a good idea i can tell you uh here's some things that this is not about crack the documentary is not about a tv repairman no it's not about knuckles no and it's not really uplifting (laughs) well no not at all. And it's about an hour and a half long mm-hmm. on Netflix, as you mentioned. Um, I uh, I don't know. I thought it was fine. It had a lot of really good archival uh, video. It had um, interviews with former dealers, mm-hmm. uh, including a guy named a dealer named Styles, not to be confused with Harry Styles or Furious Styles oh, yeah. from Boys in the Hood, who was uh, played by Lawrence Fishburne back in the day. Um, and also some, how shall we say, some interviews with some crack ladies, ladies of the crack, uh, who were... I think you might want to just stop right there and just <laughs> move on to your next point. Uh, so there were a lot of people involved, a lot of people who were affected by crack mm-hmm. in this uh, particular area of New York. And uh, it was largely well, in New York. Yeah. The, the, the interviews they, and, and this, the, uh, the director... Uh, he was from New York area, so it was focused a lot on that area. But even though... Um, I feel like you're struggling. <laughs> I feel like you're really struggling to give your opinion on this. <laughs> I gave my opinion off the top and it was like, yeah, it's fine. It was, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. It was a documentary about crack. I mean... Yeah, what you going to do? It didn't really blow me away. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you can save this podcast by giving a more eloquent uh, opinion of what oh. you think oh i doubt that um yeah it was it was informative for me i was a very little kid in the 80s so obviously i knew that crack was a drug but i wasn't 
touched by it in any way. I didn't realize the socioeconomic implications. Mm-hmm. I, like, I didn't realize, like, I knew that our prison population here in the States is out of control, but I didn't realize that as a direct result of the crack epidemic, it, like, grew from 300,000 inmates in, like, 1984 to over 2 million today. I didn't yeah. realize that's a direct result. I didn't realize this is what led to the militarization of the police. Um, right. So there was, I also... I was a little kid when Iran-Contra happened, so I barely remember hearing about Oliver North, mm-hmm. but a couple of years ago, I listened to a podcast that really went into detail about what it was all about, and I don't remember that podcast at all mentioning the link between, oh, the you know CIA and the U.S. government turned a blind eye to yeah. all the you know cocaine that the Nicaraguans were bringing into the U.S. as a result of them trying to aid the Contras and overthrowing the Sandinistas. Like, I don't remember that being part of the podcast at all. So a lot of this for me was brand new information. It's 90 minutes long and it's very dense. Mm -hmm. Like it is, even though... It feels longer than 90. It feels longer than 90. And even like it's just packed with interviews Mm -hmm. and stuff. I feel like they, this is a subject they probably could have done a multi-part docu-series on. Yeah. Um, and then because there was just a lot of information and it was good information if you're like me and you just basically don't know anything about this subject whatsoever. But yeah, it's, it's a lot to get through. It's, it's very, very dense. Like I said, you can only imagine what the cutting room floor looks like. I mean, they're they're not cutting anything anymore, but the digital cutting room floor in this, there's probably acres and acres and hours Mm -hmm. and hours of cut video from this. They did so many interviews. They did so much research on it. Um, circling back to what you were talking about with the uh, prison population, there's one thing that I will contest is that they said that the population, the prison population in 1980 was 300,000, I think you said, mm-hmm. and it's 2 million now. I was like, what, what's the population increase since 1980? Like, I, I don't really <laughs> think that that's actually much of a number. I mean, I'm not discounting the effect that the crack crack epidemic had on the prison populations and everything like that, but you're probably looking at per capita about the same amount of people being in prison compared to 1980. I mean, I haven't done the math on it. Well, we have the highest <clears throat> prison population of any country in the world, right. including China and other countries that yeah, have but more within population. That, so. Within that particular statistic, it just sem- seemed a little bit misleading. It's like, what, what was the population of the United States in 1980? I mean, it wasn't 340 million or whatever it is now. So anyway, that's, that's a minor point. Um, I think this was really well done in some ways, but it just, I don't know, it just didn't do anything for me. It just... Uh, I came out of it on the other side thinking, yeah, that was fine. I mean, we've we've watched uh, more entertaining and more informative documentaries, I think. <laughs> well, just <laughs> we we knew going in that this was not going to be, you know, the history of cuss words or whatever it was with <laughs> Nicolas Cage. Like this is an entirely different variety of documentary than that. Absolutely. So. And it's dry and then maybe it's it's good that it was only an hour and a half long because right. more would have been harder to get through i mean it's, it's very tragic i mean you see these people yeah. who had gone through all these things and uh had been addicted to crack and all the things that they lost and it's just tragic and when you have a penal system that's focused on well somebody's got to make money so we're going to throw these people you know right. in prison like you know lock them up and throw away the key as opposed to rehabilitation like one lady said that she was in prison six times yeah for possession and never once was she offered a chance at going to rehab instead or, you know, maybe going to a halfway house mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. doing some kind of community service. She was just locked up. And I'm like, well, there's your like school to prison pipeline right there. Like in this country, it's all about the almighty dollar and somebody's got to get rich. And if 
we can do that with privatized prisons, which is like the most disgusting thing I've ever heard of, then, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's why <laughs> that's why we're locking all these people up instead of trying to get them rehab. But I mean, there's a fine line between locking somebody up with like mental health issues, mm-hmm. you know, and forcing them to like take drugs. I mean, you know, where's where's the line there? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's that's exactly the struggle is how many times do you step in and help somebody out? I mean, it sounds like none of these people were really helped out. So um, I think that's a different story. But in today's society, like how many how many times you try to help somebody out before they refuse to help themselves out and then you've got no other choice? I mean, that's that's a really large issue and that's a challenge, I think, right across this country, no matter where you're talking about. Like the, the things that they do in Europe and Scandinavia with the compassionate uh, uh, prison sentences and things like that. And these, like, they're almost like country clubs in some ways, some of these prisons in Scandinavia. Um, but it seems to work. Are you are you saying that because we watched that one uh, yes. tennis uh, pseudo documentary with Andy Samberg where he was, <laughs> he was locked up no. in a Swedish prison and it, it was like a country club with like orgies all day? No. that is that what you're basing your... <laughs> I had forgotten about that until you just mentioned it, but it was another documentary that we saw that we were talking about uh, Scandinavian prisons and, and the, it was, all I remember is these guys sitting at a picnic bench looking over the beautiful fjord and they're having lunch and it was like this, and there were no fences and there were no walls and there were no guards like that's better than my life today not free you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> right like rent free um but it's compassion that's what comes first in some of these other countries and it doesn't seem like it's that way at all here and it seems no. like like you mentioned coco it's all about the mighty, mighty buck like let's make some money first and then go from there and see what happens yeah so i i felt really bad for uh, who knows how yeah like you said like who knows how many interviews they have that they didn't include mm-hmm. like because they probably it was at least probably a dozen former users and dealers mm-hmm. they talked to so who knows how many other people they interviewed and they just didn't have time for it because they had to keep it 90 minutes like i said this is one i think it could have benefited from being like maybe chopped up like a four or six part docu-series where maybe each episode is like in the 45 minute range mm-hmm. like where they could have really like done a deep dive in each episode on this is how crack came about like this is the background of mm-hmm. you know the, the chemical background yeah the chemical background and like you know this is why cocaine was so popular in the 80s and you know this is the socioeconomic stuff with like you know the inner city not being able to afford it but mm-hmm. wanting it and blah 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 so i think they could have really done a series on this but yeah it was it was a lot <laughs> they did they did touch on a lot of that stuff that you're mentioning. I mean, they did mention some of those origins and things yeah. like that, but it was so quick and it was mm-hmm. so, like, I agree with you. It would have been very easy to dive down in some of those topics. I think also though, from my perspective, it's sort of the same as I started watching the Immigration Nation uh, docu-series on uh, Netflix and I had to bail on it because it was just so sad. Uh-huh. It was just so tragic. And it's yeah. it's not, you don't necessarily want to be watching uh, puppies and 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 flowers all the time. It doesn't oh, have I to do. be happy, happy, joy, joy. <laughs> I but, do. I say as I make you watch like murder in paradise. <laughs> I was going to say when do we when right. have we watched a puppy thing? I don't right. remember that. Um, but I know I realize you got to watch the truth, and the truth sometimes hurts. Um, and that's one of these things is like, man, I this is a, such a hard 
topic and such a depressing topic that I don't think I could sit through four to six episodes of, of a docuseries on it. Like I'm, I'm glad it's about an hour and a half, two hours long would be probably the top end of it. Yeah. Uh, you'd have to break that up. If it were like four episodes, 45 minutes each, you'd definitely have to break it up into like two one day and two another because oh, yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't get through it all on the same day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, w- I wouldn't do more than one of these cause that, that's just too intense. And the same thing, like I said, with the immigration nation is just, it was just too hard to see these people struggling you know, over and over again to get back to their country and their families and everything like that. So the same thing with the drug addiction is like these people had, you know, they had, didn't have great lives at the time, but they certainly were not addicted to a drug that just sent them spiraling onto the streets and all their material goods were gone. And a couple of the mothers were, you know, selling their babies off for crack right. and stuff like that. Like it's just, just awful. You can't even imagine what it must be like to, to be in that position. So, and the people who are responsible for that, like the CIA letting the, Nicaraguans, you know, bring cocaine into the country. Like those guys aren't going to prison. Yeah, you know, they they're going to have no consequences whatsoever. It's the person who got busted with one rock, right? Who got sent to prison for what, like eight to forty years or something? I think they said one person got like a possession rap for like up to forty years or something, which is ridiculous. Yeah, like you know, the people in power are never going to face any consequences. It's always the people you know, at the bottom of the food chain that are going to get screwed. Well, I thought it was interesting too, is that one guy who was a dealer and they interviewed him at the time. So back in the eighties and he said, I'll sell him a rock to my mother. I'll sell a rock to my friend. And you know, he got, I don't care if it's a baby, I'll sell a rock to it. Like the, this mentality that they mm-hmm. had bought into it because the money was just unbelievable. Right. The money, the, the bankrolls that were coming in for this stuff. And some of the in- interesting, very interesting footage, uh, me growing up in suburban Canada, very coddled in some ways, you know, seeing the, the it was almost like drive-through lineups of people pulling <laughs> up in, in these poor areas of New York, buying drugs. And just like guys would walk up to the windows and toss some drugs in, they'd get some money out and, and the cars would go. And it was just, it was just mind boggling that this kind of thing was going on. It's like how you see in uh, TV and movies now with like a car pulling up to the curb and there's like five, you know, hookers over and <laughs> standing by the building and one comes up and she's like, Hey honey, you know, it's kind of, it's reminiscent of that. It was very similar to that. So yeah. you can only imagine, I mean, I know that that sort of thing still goes on in some corners of the world, but it was just really eye opening to see that that was something that was happening in New York in the eighties, which is well, unfathomable. New York in the seventies and eighties was a, Right. Actual hellhole. So right. you know, not not too far-fetched. Yeah. So what uh, grade would you give crack? I would give crack probably a six uh, vials. I think that... Six rocks up. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem appropriate to no, give it. Yeah. definitely not. Maybe just six... Uh, six, six stars. Six stars. Yeah. <laughs> what would you give it, Coco? I'd give it... Yeah, like a B minus. Yeah, it was uh, it was informative, but it was really there was a lot of information mm-hmm. for the amount of time, and I think it could have actually benefited from busting up into like multiple episodes instead of just just one. I would have appreciated a deeper dive mm-hmm. into lots of the aspects of this. So I'm thinking that you liked it more than I did. <laughs> well, a B minus is about what like about a you know. 7.9 or like an 8.1 on a 10 <laughs> scale and you gave it a six so yeah. so yeah 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 well um unless you had anything else to add we could probably wrap this version of the podcast up i have nothing else to add so until next time i'm not dots and i'm not coco 